Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm finally back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On today's episode, I have Jay Hammonds. He is an award-winning technologist who was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. Currently, he works on the executive support engineering team at Facebook, so his team is responsible for IT support and project management for Facebook executives. In 2012, Jay helped create the Year Up at Facebook program, which has helped bring in nearly 400 diverse interns. He also serves in the community, which you will hear about on today's episode. So on this episode, we cover Jay's journey into tech. We also talk about how he gives back, which he does all of the time. And lastly, he's going to talk about six of the lessons that he's learned while he's been in tech. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, make sure you rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this episode today. Now let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I have Jay Hammonds on this episode. How's it going, Jay? Doing well. Happy to be here, even though we are, uh, you know, virtually separated, but (laughs) staying safe. Yes. So for my listeners, give yourself an intro and a little background of what you do. Yeah. Uh, My name is Jay Hammonds, currently working at Facebook. I've been at Facebook for nearly nine years already. Uh, I am a technologist by trade. And I currently work on a team called Executive Support Engineering, where our focus and mission is to deliver technical support and project management for our executives across the Facebook family of apps. And previously, I was the IT lead for Instagram, as well as a couple of other uh, positions. In my work outside of Facebook, I try to lend a hand in doing whatever I can for uh, youth development as well as working with a number of different organizations on building technical curriculums for youth. And uh, that's just a little bit about me. We're going to touch on all of those points during this podcast episode. The best place to start is just like your early years. So you mentioned that you were in tech by trade. How did you get into tech? You know, I think I've always been drawn to technology, even <laughs> from like a young age, probably starting out with playing video games with my brother that I ever had was for the unified school district in my neighborhood. And it was an IT job, pretty much like setting up uh, all of their systems that would get shipped out to uh, different schools. And I found it like really fascinating for me. So it was something that, you know, I enjoyed and would like, you know, take things apart as a younger person. And then when I went off to college, I actually decided to study marketing because I didn't see a career for myself in technology. And I was completely wrong because uh, I ended up, you know, getting an internship at Facebook, which I'll get into more details a little bit about uh, later. Uh, That led me into a career in technology, which, like, I'm really happy I've had. So when you started off and you were working at the school, did you even know that you were doing tech work at that time? I really saw it as something fun. I didn't see it as, like, tech work. And that's why... When you know I was preparing for college, I really didn't think about like what you know my career trajectory would be in tech because I just didn't know what was out there. I didn't have the the understanding nor the exposure. And no one at the school ever said like you could turn this into a career. 
No, honestly, the conversations that I had at that time, it was just like, oh, you should produce music. You should learn, you know, how to work a soundboard, how to do sound engineering. And I was like, ah, that's not really my alley. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I look at it now as like, I really want to give other people or other young adults the exposure and under, have them understand that there's other role models out there because I went just what, with what I knew. And I knew other like black marketers that were out there. So I said, okay, let's try, let's try our hand in marketing. So you try your hand at marketing and what happens? Well, you know, my story, it goes a little bit before that, right? Mm-hmm. So in high school, uh, I actually went to boarding school in Santa Rosa. And I was working at the time to try to like, you know, make ends meet basically by either cutting hair you know, working at a local gym and uh, even uh, we had an on-campus store where I would purchase all of like the, the things that they were selling out of with the money that I was making with these other jobs and sell them outside of my room Mm -hmm. for a higher price. And I was doing this to make money so I can make the tuition so I can stay there. Okay. So at the end of my four years, uh, my goal was to like just make it to college and get a scholarship. But I got a partial scholarship to a school in Alabama, which was uh, Oakwood University. And so my idea was that I would go into marketing, get a marketing degree after four or five years. And at Oakwood, I actually ran out of money. And really? I had to pay this bill, which was $8,500 because I was, you know, I just didn't have the time to like find a job or anything like that. And so I was leaving college at the end of my first year. And so I met with my college counselor and I told her, I was like, hey, I'm going back home to California. You know, I'm just looking for any opportunities that are out there. And she handed me this flyer for a program. It was an internship program and for technology. And I was like, oh, this should be interesting because that's like something that I'm one interested in, two, that I really like. And three is back home in California. This is like a win win for me. And as I'm looking at this flyer, it's for a program called Europe. Uh, one of the corporate sponsors and one of the companies that you can intern at was Facebook. And I remember looking at it and I look at her and I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be crazy to work at a place like Facebook? And this was in 2011. If you fast forward about six or six or eight months from that mm-hmm. conversation, I was interning at Facebook. And so it's so crazy how life works out. It truly is. And so you find out about this internship, which kudos to the person for telling you, because how many times do you get that kind of opportunity? So you find out about Europe and what what happens next? So uh, it's still 2011. And, you know, I I walk in for the very first time and they have you do this interview. So let let me tell you about the interview process, because it's pretty rigorous. They have you do this interview because they don't accept a lot of applicants. I think at the time they were only taking in 40 students and there was over 10,000 applicants or something like that, or, or a thousand or something. Wow. And so you're supposed to go through this interview with about four people. After the first interview that I did, they were like, okay, we think you, we think you'd be a good fit. Come on in. So I started about three weeks later and I walk in and everybody's professionally dressed. There's this code of conduct that we have to follow. There are all these expectations and then you're getting into your classwork, which is, uh, college level work as well as your you're your studying for the A plus certification. Okay. And so I was like, this is more than college. This is like, 
I don't know if I'm ready for this. And so I told myself, like, because this is kind of like a last chance opportunity, I have to put everything I can into it. And so I went back to my own drawing board and kind of just said, I have to take, you know, full responsibility for this opportunity, really put my best foot forward and, uh, you know, really give it my all in, in everything that I do. So my biggest goal that I set out for myself was stepping outside of my comfort zone. I was a completely introverted person. I would really keep to myself. But at this moment, I understood that getting to know my classmates was going to be important. Working on group projects was going to be important. And then raising my hand to be in front of any opportunity was going to be important. And that really, uh, really helped me. And so just to give you more context about how this program works, it's called Europe. And it's six months of learning and development and six months of an internship. Okay. So that's six months of learning and development. Like I said, you're going to be taking a couple of college courses around business communications. There was one other one. <laughs> and then you're going to be studying for the CompTIA A-plus certification, okay. um, which is the big thing because it's a technology track. And so going into that, I, I was pretty like stunned with how much work that I had to do, but I understood that like I had to do it. And along with these classes, you actually get paid a stipend. And so there was no better opportunity that I had ever heard of. So like I'm getting paid, I'm getting college credits. And at the end of this, I get an internship. That's pretty remarkable, like pretty, pretty game changing in my opinion. Fast forward to the end of uh, our learning and development phase about five months later, you know, I've done a bunch of group projects. I've done really well. They ranked their students. And I was like one of the, one of the better students in the class and I felt like because I was stepping outside of my comfort zone, I was getting these new results, which were, you know, in my favor. And they had asked me to be the graduation speaker for our class. And at the time I was like, oh my goodness, I, I can't barely stand in front of, you know, the 39 other students and talk. How am I supposed to talk in like in front of a, an audience? Right. And so I once again told myself, like, I have to step outside of my comfort zone and really do this. And so I did. And that. That was a really pivotal uh, moment in, in my career because after doing the graduation speech, I really felt like speaking was something that, that I really wanted to hone in on. And I, I do the graduation speech. I'm then interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, who was there, who I had no idea of, um, would just be there. And then like, I got all these like, kudos and accolades. And then they started showing this graduation speech to all the new students that came in. And I realized like, okay, because I stepped out of my comfort zone, like I have to make sure that I understand the responsibility of like what's being put on me now. And like, how can I pay, pave the way for other people to come through this program or just like have these different opportunities and chances. And that's something that like I've taken with me to this day. So that really set the tone for my internship actually going into Facebook because I realized that this is so much bigger than myself mm. and this is another opportunity at another level that I have to take advantage of. And so I go into my internship at Facebook and I wrote this like this plan of like what I would accomplish and how I would try to network with people and build good relationships, the things I would try to learn, all these things. And on my very first day at Facebook, they forgot that they were getting an intern. So I'm waiting in the lobby for four hours by myself and I'm shook. Everything that I thought I was going to do, like I'm pissed. Right. I'm like, yo, they forgot me. One, two, uh, 
you know, they don't even want me here. Like I'm going through all these negative things in my head. And right. so finally, you know, this guy picks me up and he's like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I forgot we were getting an intern today. And I'm just like, so upset. Like I'm ready to go home. We right. go through like this small orientation and that's it. The next day I come in, they still don't know what to do with me. It takes them about a week before they give me my first project or task. Mm-hmm. And this project was, so I'm working as an IT specialist intern at the time, just okay. doing any and everything around uh, around the, the office. At the time, it was at a small office in Palo Alto. And so, you know, my second week comes and they give me my first task, which is going into the inventory closet and organizing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, well, this is what you're going to give me. I'm going to make sure I knock it out of the park. So Anup Patel, who was my manager at the time, walks me into this inventory room and he's like, hey, this is about $2 million worth of computers and devices and other assets. We just need you to clean it up if you can. And then we'll come back and, uh, and see what else you could do. So I was like, all right, bet. So I took whatever little money that I had, went down to Target, got like bins, a label maker, all this stuff. And I organized created like our first inventory management system because we didn't have one and it wasn't something complex it was like how we can track you know the life cycle of a device through a spreadsheet and so i did this and i stayed at facebook that day for until about like 9 30 that night and at the time i'm still taking a bus to get to work so like i think i had to call somebody to like even come get me and so the next day comes i sent him an email with the whole process and he looks at me and he's like i'm so sorry i should have given you some real work and I'm thinking of it like, man, thank you for giving me this, you know, this task because it put a chip on my shoulder. Not, I want to show you guys every single day that I'm worth a lot more than just, you know, fixing up a closet for you. Right. So I really took that mindset into every little thing that I was doing. And the internship was supposed to be about, was supposed to be six months. And I think halfway through, they actually extended a full-time offer to me. And okay. yeah, no, that was, that was a big day for me. Because, you know, like I was just going through a lot personally with with my own family and everything. And it was just a really big moment to understand that now I'm like cementing myself at a company that, you know, is is really up and coming at the time that I love. And I felt like in that moment, like I had made it. Your story is definitely an interesting one. And one thing that sticks out to me through this whole situation is your positive attitude. Because if somebody had left me for four hours, I don't know if I would still have that job. So I do want to ask, where do you get your positive just like outlook and attitude from? Oh, that's a good question. So when I was four years old, I was adopted by a friend of my family mm-hmm. whose name was Rose Robinson. And she grew up uh, in Iowa. And she was like just the most hardworking, positive person I've ever come across in my entire life. So her upbringing for me was something that, you know, has, has given me an, an everlasting positivity. So like people call me like an incurable optimist because I will always take the silver lining out of anything. And that's it's just, it's just the way I will, I will approach anything, honestly. We need more people who have incurable optimism out here because I feel like the position that you were put in from having to wait for four hours for someone to come get you 
having to organize all the stuff that was in that closet, I don't think a lot of people this day and age would actually do that, to be honest. You know, I think what people suffer from, especially at a young age mm-hmm. and, and being millennials is is pride. Mm-hmm. And this this idea that, you know, we're supposed to be given opportunities at level 10 and not level one. Right. I was giving a talk at some university a couple of years ago and I was talking to one of the students afterwards and he was just like, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I just want to be right at this level. I want to be doing, you know, this. He, he wanted to be like a, a software engineering manager, which was like his goal. And I'm okay. like, you got to understand that you have to go through these different levels and through these different steps to understand what it takes to be the best manager. Right. So like we, we can't look at every situation and say like, we need to be at the top already. Like you got to put in the work and you got to be able to put your pride aside and, and put in the work. And I agree. A lot of times people come in and want to be, like you said, on level 10 and people don't understand that going through all these different levels is where you learn the lessons and you learn the workspace and what corporate is. So we 100%. need to go through those levels. Man, talk about learning corporate. That was a big game changer for me too. How was that for you? Because I could tell you a few Oof. stories about how I went through some stuff. <laughs> so we, you know, even in this learning development phase of the internship program, you're up, we would talk about code switching. Mm. Now, being, you know, a, a black kid from the inner city, uh, code switching was something that they were really championing. So I'm thinking of it as like, all right, I have to go in here and put on a face every single day. And so my first couple of months, I was, you know, trying to dress up in, in a place that, you know, you don't need to dress up. I was trying to put on this, this face and this idea that, you know, I was an Ivy Leaguer just like the other guys. And when I realized that that wasn't authentic and it wasn't being myself, and when I started just truly honing in who I was, I became a better employee. But then I realized that while doing so, it also brought a lot of characteristics from where I came from into some of the work that we were doing. And I felt like really proud about that. And so I understood that diversity in the workplace was like a really positive thing, as long as people understood you. And it took a lot of hard conversations for, for people to understand me, especially with maybe, you know, the tone I might talk in or some of the things I might uh, say or do a little bit differently than them. But I wasn't shying away from any of those conversations. So I won't get into like any of the the tough conversations I had, but I'll tell you like, you know, it was either with my manager, my coworkers or anyone, you know, around to like try to get them to understand who I was and what I represented and to understand that there was great talent out there that might not look like them, that might act a little bit differently, but can, you know, do what they can, if not more. Let's continue on your journey. So you're in the internship, you get a full-time employment offer from Facebook, and then what happens next? The first thing I did when I, when I started working on Facebook and I got my first check, which is, uh, I, I like to tell this story because it's a proud moment for me. Like I immediately gave it to uh, the woman who raised me, Rose Robinson, because mm-hmm. I feel like she had like really paved the way for me to be in that op- this position in the first place. And it was like something that I finally felt like I could do for her. So I had given my first check to her. And from that moment on, I was really concerned and and thinking about what can I do for other people around me or other people in my communities. So since I was was the very first uh, Europe intern that they had hired on, 
they were thinking about continuing with the program and bringing in uh, one person per cycle. So one person every six months. And so I really fought for trying to bring it four. And so after pushing and pushing and pushing on our leadership to do so, we finally brought in four interns. And then the next cycle, we doubled that and brought in eight. And when we did that, I thought about like, how about making this its own program at Facebook internally? And so we started the Europe at Facebook program. It was myself and two other people who were really like working this entire program. And so over time, we had built that program out from being, you know, myself being the first person hired to bring it in for interns to now we have a school, a dedicated school on site for Europe. Uh, and we house about 80, 80 students a cycle now. And we've graduated over, I can't even think of it. It's like 400. It's been remarkable. And out of those 400 graduates, uh, they all go through Facebook. And I think there's a conversion rate of about 52% that we're hired on. So, I mean, it's been incredibly successful. That was the first thing that I really wanted to do when I got hired on full time was like maximizing the opportunity that I had to make sure that more people that look like me and that come from places I come from can get into a place like this. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to do was really establish myself in my career. And so I created this five-year plan of what I thought would, would get me to like a, a high-level manager position in the company. And okay. I brought it. I was kind of, yeah, no, I was very ambitious. I was kind of uh, stalking our, our CIO at the time. So like I became friends with his EA and uh, he had heard of me, but he, we didn't really have that much of a relationship. And I heard that he was having breakfast at eight o'clock every morning in one of our cafeterias. So I was like, all right, bet. Mm-hmm. I'm about to give him my five-year plan and he's going to help me with it. Mind you, this was like the best thing that I could come up with. It wasn't like the greatest plan ever. And so one morning I, I bring him this five-year plan. I kind of like slam it in front of him on the table. I'm like, hey, I believe you know who I am. My name is Jay Hammonds. I was a former Europe intern. Thank you for getting this program in here. This is my plan for the next five years at Facebook. How can you help me? And he's just trying to like finish his meal. And he's like, what is happening? What are you doing? And, uh, you know, he takes a paper and he's like, well, you really got some work to do on this. You know, talk to my EA and uh, we'll set up some time. And the first one-on-one that we ever had was like really transformative for me because he had taught me a lesson about failure. After we kind of worked through my, uh, my five-year plan, he was like, tell me something about you that inspires you. And I think at the time, like my phone screensaver was like this Nike campaign about failure is not an option. And I was like, well, I really okay. buy into this. Like failure is not an option. And he was like, you are completely wrong. And I was yeah. standing there in my tracks like, what are you talking about? Like, this is something I live by. I'm never going to fail. Like, absolutely. I'm a Nike fiend. Failure is not an option. What are you talking about? Right. And he's like, the best things that have ever happened in my life are because I failed. It's like, how? So he tells me all these different stories. And I realized halfway through the story is that like, he's right. And I'm completely wrong. And it's rewiring the way that I think about this. And so I, I had this running list of like notes and thoughts on my phone and I added to it about how I was wrong about failure. And then it made me think about, you know, 
the same thing I was kind of trying to teach myself during Europe, which was I have to step outside of my comfort zone. So now adding to that, I have to be okay with failing because if I'm failing, that means I'm taking risks. I'm trying. Right. And so that was something that came out of like me just trying to approach him about getting this five-year plan off the ground. And I was so grateful for that conversation that I was like dying for more. So we had this monthly meeting that we would set up where we would kind of like track the progress of all these different initiatives and all these different things that I wanted to accomplish. So that was, you know, that was number two. That was the biggest thing for me, like really trying to establish myself as, as a professional. And uh, I had all this ambition that I really wanted to like hone in and like focus on, on building myself up. I have a question before you go to point three. Yeah. How did you have the balls to just go up to this man and give him your plan? Pretty fearless person. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid of doing anything. Now I have um, to ask, where do you get your fearlessness from? Oof, I, I don't know. Maybe it was I was born with that because I'm a person, I love to challenge anything. Okay. So I'm, I'm highly competitive. So my family plays a lot of sports. I played basketball for a while. So like I'm highly competitive. I'm pretty fearless in, in sports as well. So I kind of just like that rolls over into, you know, my business and personal life. So like taking a chance or anything like that, I'm all game for it. Okay. So if you're fearless and you will take a chance, I'm surprised you never had the idea of failure because I feel like if you're a big risk taker and you are fearless, you had right. to have- It seems obvious, right? Yeah. I think- it wasn't that like I was I was fearing failure. I just think I had the wrong like thought process about it completely. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, failure is not an option. If I messed up on something, then I'll just like, I'll knock on this door until I push through. But realizing now is like failure, there's a learning in it. There's, there's a beauty in failure. Failure is like my favorite thing because it means I'm, I'm doing something actually right because I'm trying something. Now I can figure out how to break it down and like learn so I can build up a new skill or new anything else to push through and, and succeed. Yeah. So like going on with the story of like my career and my journey. So like I started this relationship with uh, our CIO. His name is Tim Campos. And at the, I think then I was working at uh, an IT specialist. So this was after being hired on full time, IT specialist. And what does an IT I was taking- specialist do? So at the time, uh, we had just moved from a small office in Palo Alto to Menlo Park, um, where it's like one of our older campuses now. And we had three buildings. And so the IT specialist position was kind of like doing some of the background IT work, not working at the one help desk that we had or the two help desks that we had. So we were doing everything from like provisioning phones, so like telecommunications, video conferencing, uh, logistics, supply chain stuff, and uh, working with different vendors, so like setting up contracts and, and uh, scope of work for vendors that we would hire and bring in to do work. So that was kind of like all the things that we would do. And I think at the time, I was also working as a, like a project specialist for our IT logistics team with Anoop, who was my intern manager. And so I had told Anoop, like, if there was any cool good projects or opportunities that he could put me on, just let me know. I'm, I'm game. And so he came to me about uh, shortly after that conversation and said, would you like to work with our M&A team? And I was like, sure. Cool. What do I need to do? 
And so the M&A team, uh, which is mergers and acquisitions, was at least our role in it was helping put together plans and strategies for implementing new companies into Facebook from a technology standpoint, whether it be migrating data, migrating like uh, any of their services into ours, et cetera. And so I said, sure. So he was like, the first two projects I'm going to have you shadow. The first completely shadowing, the second getting your hands dirty, and the third is all yours. I went through project one, I went through project two, and I'll never forget this. It was a call on a Saturday where a noob called me and he was like, hey, we are going to be acquiring a company and this is going to be your first project. And I'm like, cool, what is it? He's like, it's a little company called Instagram. There are only 12 people. And when you come in on Monday, we'll talk about it a little bit more. I was like, cool, nice. I know Instagram, I just downloaded that. <laughs> and so I come in on Monday and we kind of work through this plan of action. And so when the deal gets done, they finally come in. Uh, I meet their founders, uh, Mike and Kevin, and we all really hit it off. And so at the end of about two months that it took to finish this project, uh, I had a meeting with them to kind of wrap up everything that was done. And they were like, well, you know, there's 17 of us or 16 of us, and we would love for you to join us. And I'm like, yo, this would be dope. Like, I would love to work with you guys. So I went back to my manager and I asked him, I was like, hey, I would love to uh, to join the Instagram team. Like they're looking for an IT person. Please like, let me do this. And he says, no. What? So I'm like, what? Like this is, this is a win-win for everybody, right? So I go back to him uh, like two days later, I think I created like a whole proposal, like a whole PowerPoint proposal for him. And I come back and I'm like, hey, these are the reasons why I think like this would work. Here's why this is a win for the business, et cetera. And they're asking me to. He looks at me and he's like, no. He's like, you have you know, things that you need to do on this end. So then I said, okay, how about I do both my job and I take this one? He was like, do you think oh, you could do God. that? And I'm like, absolutely. And so he said, sure, we'll give it a trial. Sure enough. Uh, I worked for the Instagram team for the next five years, uh, you know, leading up IT, building out a team, and, and helping them scale from me being seventeenth, the seventeenth employee, to about fifteen hundred when I departed. Wow! While also doing a whole set of uh, a whole other job, so like I had these two verticals of of work that I was constantly doing. I was doing my Instagram work, and then I had you know, this other career path that I was taking simultaneously. And I did that for five years, which was pretty ridiculous. So I have to ask the question that everyone's going to have on their mind after they hear that story. How the hell did you have a life working at two jobs for two <laughs> that are now big companies? I think I was so driven on setting up, you know, this kind of like lifestyle that I wanted, mm -hmm. which was like, I wanted to establish myself you know, in the field, I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could and meet anybody that I possibly could. And so I thought that like my life was really wrapped up in my work at the time and anything outside of, you know, doing my jobs was building relationships with people, whether that be people I met at the job, whether it be people I met at conferences or anything like that. So it was all kind of wrapped up in, in the tech space. 
I would still tell you, like, I had a very fulfilling life. And I make sure that by kind of uh, analyzing, like, the three buckets that I live by, which is going to be work, personal, and, and altruism. So, like, I've got this work bucket that's completely filled. My personal life is going to be, like, am I good? Is my family good? Are my friends good? And then this, this, this bucket of altruism, which is, like, what can I make sure that I'm doing for other people? Because I understand that life is just bigger than myself. And anything that I do, like, I should be able to lend a hand in. And so I always felt like I was fulfilling my three buckets. So I'm good. Although I will tell you, like, like here's an example of, like, my schedule, right? During, like, the height of it, I think I was getting up at 5, being at work at 6, 6.30. Mm-hmm. I would work from about 6.30 to 7.30. I would come home. And then I would have like this, uh, if it was 7.30, I probably start working again at nine from nine to 10, just have like a one hour block. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would wake up from three to four and kind of just like work on anything that was left over. And then from four to five, I'd sleep and then wake up again and do it. And I did that probably, like I said, at the height of it, probably like two years. So I was burning. I was, I was really burnt out at the end, at the end of that two years, but. I can tell you, like, it was completely fulfilling. I've learned so much over that time that, like, it's, it was definitely fulfilling. What were your greatest lessons that you learned during that time? So I have these, uh, these six lessons from earlier on in my career that I like to share with people. So I'll share those six lessons. And some of them I've actually talked about in the story already, uh, which are, you know, like, uh, stepping outside of your comfort zone and and uh, having goals and uh, things like that. But here are my six lessons. Number one, building relationships. And the reason I have that is number one is because everything in life will always revolve around people, no matter what. And I don't mean building up a network where you're meeting someone for your own personal gain, but I mean genuinely building relationships. It's incredibly important. What tips or advice do you have for people listening for networking? Because you're ambitious or might be shy. So let's talk about how to network and where to network. Yo, that's that's a really good one. Um, I'm actually an introvert, like completely. No but one under- the stories that you told. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally am. I promise you. But when it comes to meeting people, it's something that like, I'm genuinely curious about people. And so I like to learn from other people. Everyone out there can teach me something. So that's kind of the way I approach like networking. Uh, I'm just genuinely curious about their story, first of all. And then you could take you know, a deeper dive into some of the things that they, they pass on to you. And then you, know, you go from there. And then there's opportunities or, or, or situations where you, I don't know, like you, you might know of someone and you really want to meet them. And those are the situations like I really like tell people that you still don't want to meet this person just for your own gain. So figure out like what value can you add to them because there is going to be value that they bring to you. And you're also creating you know, value for this mutual thing, uh, this relationship to happen. But one of the biggest things that I tell people, and, and this is just like a good tip, is whenever you meet someone new, whether it be a professional network, even a friend, 
or anything like that. After getting to know one another for a little bit, or if you're about to go your separate ways, just ask them, like, who do you think I should know? And maybe they can introduce you to someone else. And the way that I think about this coming into play is just like a ripple effect. You know, if I meet you, you introduce me to, to you know, another person, they introduce me to someone else. Like, you're building out your network just by asking this one question. Another tip that I would just give people is, is nurturing your network. Just because you know a lot of people doesn't mean you have a strong network. You can know 10 people, but you know them really, really well. And when they have an opportunity and they think of you, you know them, you know, like that's a strong relationship. So making sure that you're just not meeting people and kind of like putting their card in your back pocket and, you know, you hit them up for when you need them. You know, like you really want to be interested, invested in these people's lives, careers, or or any way you can. And I think those are good tips for my listeners. Uh, number two is listening. Listening not only to yourself, but to the people around you. And I think listening is such an action that we actually forget about because at times we're only hearing people to just respond and not really soaking in what it is that we actually uh, are, are you know, getting. Uh, number three is be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like I said, stepping outside of your comfort zone religiously is something that I have to do or else I feel like I'm, I'm just stagnant. Uh, number four, failure is your best teacher. Like I said, I, I learned everything from failing and making mistakes. I'm so glad I had that conversation as a young adult, you know, with, with Tim Campos, because I don't think I would have learned as much as I have. Uh, number five is never stop learning. The reason like uh, I have that is because you have to be a lifelong learner. And that's something I picked up from my family. Like the woman who raised me, Rose Robinson, she's now well in her seventies and she's still taking online courses. She's still trying to learn something. Um, number six is always set goals. And the way that I think of that is you can't go anywhere without a North star. You don't know what you're going to do unless you have a place you want to end up. And I never want to spend time, you know, doing something that is aimless. So like I'm very stringent about you know the things that I set out for myself and building up plans to get there. Uh, those are the six lessons that I that I've learned. And if I had to pick a seventh, I would say that the laws of attraction are real. I can't tell you how many things in my life have come just through manifestation. So when I was really on myself about stepping outside of my comfort zone and, and being, you know, uh, I guess more in the public eye about what I wanted and what I wanted for other young adults uh, was right after I landed my full-time position at Facebook. And I got a call from Europe and it was their PR team. It was like people I've never even talked to before. And I'm like, okay, well, why are you guys calling me? And they're like, well, there's a TV segment coming up and we think you'd be uh, a good person for it. And I'm like, well, I mean, sure. Okay. I think this is a good you know, opportunity for me to either tell my story and then maybe there's a ripple effect in that and, and you know, more people will be uh, affected by it and, and try to get into tech or learn something from, from my story. So a couple of days later, I get a call from a, a, a New York number that I don't have. I'm like, something tells me I should pick this up, but I don't know who this is. And it's CBS. And it was the people from 60 Minutes. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is what you guys are talking about. This, this is the TV segment. And so fast forward some time later, 
And, uh, you know, we, we did a TV segment uh, about my story and a couple other students for, for 60 minutes. And that was like a groundbreaking moment because I think they told me it was like 19 million people had seen it when we got the numbers back or something like that, which is just like so crazy because it was coupled with the, uh, uh, the ending of Jay Leno's like late night career. And so it aired at the same time as that, which like really blew up. And then that was just like such a crazy thing for me because I was like, yo, probably four months prior to this, I was just thinking about like, what, how could I, you know, put myself in a position so that other people could see me as an example and say, yo, I can do this. I could be there. And I couldn't think of a bigger platform. That's awesome. I actually did see your 60 minutes segment and it was very inspirational. Amazing. The one, all the work that you've done, you know, up to this point, and then two, just all the work that you've done to get back to the community as well. No, thank you for that. And, uh, one thing that I like to think about it as is like, I, I've never given back. I've always just done my part because I feel like it's, it's our responsibility or everyone's responsibility to like take action in their communities. And that's something that I like, I'll take that to my grave. So like when some of my friends are always reaching out to me, they're like, Oh man, you know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing that. Or I see like, you know, you're really giving back. And I'm like, man, I don't consider it giving back at all. Like we should all be in, uh, have a hand in this. So that's just the philosophy that I have around it. And that's a good philosophy to have. And it's a true statement. So to wrap up our conversation, my final question, we know there's still a diversity issue in tech. We're trying to get people who look like both of us in the tech Mm -hmm. industry. And I just want to know what encouraging words and advice do you have for people who are trying to get into tech? I would say that the work is is definitely not done. Um, just to talk about diversity in technology, mm-hmm. uh, the work is definitely not done. We've made small improvements over the year to get more people in the Silicon Valley, more people in the tech. And I would say it's it's been a challenge, but each one of us is a pillar fighting for more opportunities for the next person. And I think we need to consider ourselves all champions in, in this. And so for the people that are coming in, um, we need to you know, share all the experiences that we've had, all the challenges that we've had, so other people don't you know, fall into our pits or the pits that we've had to come across. Um, another thing is when we think about hiring, when we're in spaces of hiring, we need to consider uh, how we can give you know, people of color a, a fair fight because oftentimes I see that we, don't, we aren't given that fair opportunity to even you know, get into some of these companies. So we have to be cognizant of that. And then uh, even at the grassroots level, and this is something that I, like, I'll continue to fight for, which is uh, having young adults who are in our inner cities understand that tech is a pathway. I think getting them started and, and understanding and getting them to understand that there are so much, there are so much more out there besides your athletes and entertainers, um, is, is incredibly important and showing them what's, what's possible, the end results. And what I believe, you know, to be true is that technology is cool. So starting at those levels and building up, um, is, is something that I, I'm constantly thinking about as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it.
No, thank you. Seriously. Not just for, you know, doing this with me, but the platform that you've put together. I've always loved this and I'm happy to have been on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay. And if you like this episode, make sure to check out Yvonne Prince's episode, Be Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. He too is a Europe grad and he has a similar story. So if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to this episode. Until next time.